Maya and welcome to our third podcast of Notes to My Younger Self. We've had a really positive response from everyone so far so thank you very much and make sure you go and listen to our other ones. Um, we are a podcast made by young women for young women and today's episode is called Sexism and Misogyny is Everywhere. We have also got a very special guest which is Alice from Parks. Thank you very much Emma. Uh, my name is Alice, I am the Outreach and Education Worker at Parks um, and I have a background in working in um, sexual health and with young people around sexual exploitation, sexual health and uh, LGBTQIA+. Thank you. So today we are reflecting on misogyny and I know it's something that we've, um, we've talked a lot about. Uh, I just wanted to share with you really that I, I was told to, to smile today as I was, I was actually on the phone to Alice. Um, so I didn't really respond. Um, and, and usually I, I do, I am quite responsive to, to being told to smile usually. Um, but I think it's, yeah, I'm kind of sharing that with you because I think it's quite a subtle um, intrusion, if you like, on, 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 and something that, I mean, some of you are nodding, um, something that happens to women and girls, I think quite a lot, being told how to look and how to respond, or like we should be walking around with big, happy smiles on our faces. So yeah, I just wanted to get us started really and, and share that with you. It happened, um, yeah, literally a couple of hours ago. The thing is as well, it's like, smile for me. Like, why am I, why am I doing it for you? I don't get it. It's not like a, oh, like I, like, you know, be happy, kind of be kind. It's like, look good for me, go on, like give us a smile. Uh, so it kind of can't say anyone's ever been flattered by, you know, being catcalled or being told to smile ever. Um, but just kind of um, leading on from that with the whole misogyny idea, I think it's so common as well for men to mansplain things to us um, and I just think one of the most ironic kind of experiences of mansplaining I've ever had is when a guy I don't know I don't know what he was trying to do or his intentions tried to mansplain period poverty to me like I had no idea what a period or like was and what it involved and tried to tell me how it wasn't an issue and I just thought that was really interesting and whether he'd ever actually read him any of the statistics. Um, I'm just not really sure where he was coming from with the kind of the idea that I was clueless about periods, but uh, it's, it's funny in reflection, but. <laughs> Some men, I, I just, I don't understand their thought process. Like, like Gemma said, like when we're on the street and they're like oh smile like is that gonna be like oh my god they told us to smile how flattering and when they like like Emma just said well like explaining periods are we gonna be like oh sorry we're really stupid we actually forgot what happens to our own bodies every month I don't just the logic of some men it does confuse me and I yeah. think it happens like way more often than it necessarily should or something like that um like we don't need explaining things like we're more than capable of being able to educate ourselves on these things like yeah that's there's nothing wrong with having a discussion with someone and talking about topics and but it's when there is it almost turns from educating and like talking normally to patronizing and there's a very thin line between that and somehow they always end up just across that line a little bit further and it's really it just happens so easy. Like, I don't even think they realise that they're doing it sometimes. But just from like a female perspective, it's so easy to notice as well. Like we've, I don't know about anybody else, but like growing up, it's become so much easier to notice it as well. Because it, especially with like the being told to smile and stuff, like it happens all the time. <laughs> like in school, at work, like I work in a cafe and just all the time, like people go, oh, just my... Uh, boss is always like oh just make sure you've got a big smiley face on or these men come in and just like casually just touch my arm or lean in and stuff like that and I'm always like oh hello <laughs> like that's a bit close for comfort um it's just always stuff like that 
it doesn't need to happen. And I don't think that the men think they're actually doing anything wrong sometimes, which is also a problem. Like that's a problem in itself that they don't think that um, they're doing anything wrong. But I was just wondering if Alice would like to expand on that a little bit. Well, thank you, Hannah. Um, so yeah, I can definitely expand on that. Um, when I was between the ages of 18 and 22, well, 21, 22, um, I worked in a really popular pub and I absolutely loved it. And I worked with loads of really good friends. Um, but something that I look back on now, so looking at sort of the younger self, um, I've noticed how comfortable people were with um, touching me. And when you just said about your arm, that really made me think of it um, because something I used to really experience quite a lot was I'd um, go up to the bar to take someone's order and I'd put my hands on the bar and say hi can I take your order um, and people grab my hands um, and when I say people to be honest it was mostly men um, and at the time I think I was 18 I hadn't really I, did, I don't think I felt comfortable challenging it and something that I found as well was um, the pub we worked at, I worked at was really, really busy. And we used to do, we were right on the seafront and we used to throw like festivals. Um, and I've got a real like memory of people coming up behind me when I'm trying to get through a crowd and grabbing me by the hips and then scraping behind me. And I thought I have never once seen a man grab another man by the hips and rub his crotch up against that man's backside whilst he's trying to get through a crowd. And again, it's one of these things where at the time, I think I just didn't feel like it was something that I could challenge. However, looking back on it now, it's something that I definitely would. And when we look at where this comes from, when we look at culture, I think what we're used to, what we're used to is people having ownership over women's bodies and when you look at like media and Hollywood when we look at um like red carpet events for instance the first thing people often ask women is oh well what are you wearing or where did you get your dress and things so it ties into that ownership that people have over women's bodies. I think as well whenever it's talk going back to red carpet events and sort of celebrities being asked questions it's always lost in translation about what's acceptable to ask someone as well like you rarely ever get men being asked oh like who are you wearing what are you wearing or if a woman is wearing a dress that maybe is a bit shorter or tighter or is cut down like below her chest um that's always commented on the media and like it'll come up on my phone it'll be like oh uh, I don't know um, Scarlett Johansson was seen wearing a really low cut dress and I'm just like yeah so what like leave her alone <laughs> you know what I mean and so I think it's really odd to see that because you would never get a media um, article saying oh um oh look at I don't know Kevin Hart's really tight suit you just wouldn't get that but when it's a woman it's completely different yeah, that makes me like think of, um, I, can't, I can't name one of the magazines, but you'd have after a red carpet event, the yes dresses and the no dresses who are written by female, you know, authors or writers. And it's probably all digitalized now due to the pandemic, but it's just feeding these ideas of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And if we do that, you know, men and, you know, I guess like, it's just going to keep up this narrative of like, let's continue to ask the women what they wear, not about the film they were in or how talented they are, but let's ask the men about their talent. And it's, yeah, it's just completely unfair. Uh, something, oh, sorry, Alice. No, sorry, Eliza. I've just thought of something. It was, um, I think it was the Golden Globes last night. Um, and I've seen a lot of information come out, but there was an actor who won an award. It was Jason Sudeikis. Um, and he won the Best Actor Award and he accepted it on Zoom in a hoodie, in a tie-dye hooded sweatshirt. And this, I'm so sorry to bring it up and to, to interrupt you, Eliza, but it's literally made me think of it um, because I'm thinking what, what would the media reaction have been if it was a woman who'd accepted that award um, in a tie-dye hoodie? Um, so yeah, I just thought I'd bring that to the table because it, it felt really relevant because it was last night. Absolutely. There would have been all of these comments about like she's not trying, she's not making an effort. Where's her effort? Like she's at the Golden Globes. But I don't think that there was a single thing in the media about that at all. And you could argue, okay, people will argue that it's not because it's a man, it's other reasons. But at the end of the day, like the bottom line is it probably is because it's a man and he is getting away with it. 
and there are these people that are whoever's writing these magazine articles or these I don't know what they are on the websites and stuff but they're just allowing him to get like not get away with it but like a woman wouldn't be getting away with it Mm. the thing that I always find like with that and women getting asked and men not is in multiple interviews I think it was Scarlett Johansson it was in an interview of like Mark Ruffalo for one of the Avengers films and the interviewer asked her what underwear she wore and the underwear that she was wearing under her like costume and she was like um, but were you gonna ask any of the boys this and she was like oh no like no sorry I didn't mean to offend you but when did it when did it become okay to ask someone in an interview what underwear they were wearing just because they're a woman and their outfit was tight like in the Avengers films especially all of the others Chris Evans wore a tight outfit but they didn't ask him the underwear he was wearing they only asked the female and they always ask the female cast about their outfits, their underwear. And I just, when did that become okay to do that? Mm, I definitely agree. You can tell the difference in questions. It's almost like a woman's this kind of like 2D, you know, she's not got any like complexity to her or um, dimensions within her personality. It, also, it always just seems so focused on, oh, what was your diet routine? What, How did you work out for this? And it's very kind of materialistic outside things rather than, you know, how did you prepare for the role mentally? Like what was the mental, um, just things that you found hard kind of, on like the toll of it or it's never it's always about how they look and I think kind of linking on from what Alice said earlier is it's just so much is allowed to just be passed by and you just get on with it now because you're just like well yeah you know I'm gonna expect this as a woman I'm gonna expect these like random brushes past you I'm gonna expect the inappropriateness and then what I kind of think is quite sad and but very relatable is that you don't want to stand up because you feel like it's not really it's then you're making a deal out of it but you shouldn't ever feel like you're the guilty one because you're not you're simply just the person experienced that experiencing this and I think that's quite hard to kind of get your head around and um I just thought the way you said it, Alice was really um important and it kind of stuck with me yeah 100% agree with what Emma just said like there's no way that I would ever bring that up at work or if someone did that to me at work there's I just wouldn't feel more comfortable enough to bring that up or mention it to any of my managers or anything like that because I'm not brave enough to challenge it yet like I'm I don't feel like I'm at that stage yet eventually I hope at some point in my life I probably will be able to because I think that's a really important step to like get to mm. but at this point in my life I do not feel comfortable enough to be able to go that man just like touched me over there but um I remember one day at work this one of my the boss who, not the boss but she's like a senior team she went to me oh just be careful with that man just because he we've had quite a few like complaints and stuff about him and she actually pulled me aside like moved me away from him which I was like really grateful for because like I had no idea obviously like he's not going to wear a sign saying oh be careful of me but um <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> but um like she pulled me to the side and said like just be careful be wary but it's a shame that like that even has to happen because I don't think she told any of the boys any of that at work mm. like and he still is allowed obviously he's allowed to come into work he's he still comes in he still gets served but we're all cautious around him and just in case but it's just it's just weird yeah and it reminds so, me ha- sorry Eliza sorry. I'll just add, <laughs> I'll add this in just quickly but what, what Hannah's saying it reminds me um so much about um, the work of uh, Vera Gray and and Liz Kelly, they talk about the safety work. They talk about the safety work that women do and all of the risk assessing uh, that we do on a daily basis. You know, I I guess, um, and it becomes part of, because it is the culture. And um, I was just thinking just in terms of going out running, you know, there, there, I don't know if Katie feels like this, but I go through a whole process. What, what do I wear? Do I, do I wear shorts? Oh no, I'm going to go into the shop after. So I, I probably won't wear shorts. And I was going to mention this as well. Running. Were you? I'm running and, and, you know, is it too late? Is it too dark? Am I going to stay on the, and I remember, you know, I think it was literally about 10 days ago. Um, uh, a police force somewhere um it's it wasn't local but they released um 
a statement about women running on their own. And I think I've seen these statements over the years. You know, there's been so many, but the narrative is, and this is what reminded me, um, Hannah, when you were talking, the narrative is women change your behavior, risk assess and be careful because of X, Y, and Z, rather than a bit like, and I, you know, my, um, you know, it, I feel when you were talking, Hannah, about the cafe and your boss, I feel really pleased that she did that and that she, you know, she she offered that to you and protected you. But there's a part of me that's a bit like, why should you? Why should she? We know what the issue is. Why are we making, I say we, we're a group of young women, and, um, and why are we making adjustments? Um, and there is something about what happens when we do challenge. You know, I know we've talked about um international women's day and that the hashtag of choose to challenge but what needs to be in place for people for girls to feel safe enough to do that when this is such a cultural when quite often like emma said men and boys don't think that they're doing anything wrong they don't see the harm in it how how easy is it then to to challenge talking about challenging um these acceptabilities is that a word of what women are allowed to wear and what men aren't allowed to wear I think because we're all you know activists and feminists we'll probably all um know of the works of Emma Watson and how how much of an iconic amazing feminist she is and how um she's able to challenge I just respect her so she's able to challenge these social norms of what a man and a woman is supposed to do but um I remember she did a a photo shoot with Vanity Fair where she wore a little crochet cardigan and um, she wasn't wearing anything underneath it and there were so many comments being like how can she be a feminist and be you know have boobs basically how can she be a feminist and you know be sexually explicit in her job when she's an actress as well so you know part of her job might be being sexually explicit um, but it's just like she was so good at being like women have freedom and like liberation and feminism should be about being able to challenge that and being able to be like you know I had agendas for doing that and like you know I was able to do that with knowing that I would challenge anyone who said to me that that is not okay because it was a choice that I made it was an informed decision that I made and I'm okay with it and I'm still a feminist because even though I showed my body. It's the element of choice there I think as well. I think so many times I see you know not to bring TikTok off again but there's the dances on TikTok which are quite sexual in a sense and if women are choosing to do that like that's okay like you can allow them to do but it's then when other people come in and judge them and they're like so you don't want to be sexualized and then you're doing these dances it's different it's if you're sexualizing someone because you know you can they're wearing a crop top that's different because they're not it's not their choice they're choosing to put themselves out there like that um and I think what you were saying then Meg like I'm just echoing the fact that it's the element of choice that we want to be able to have yeah it's almost as if people see us as an empty shell sometimes like we like you said yeah like we are just a 2d body to some people we don't have a brain and we just totally do and it's so annoying that people think that we can't just because we've worn something doesn't mean that we're you know we want to be sexualized it's just because like I think of us when we used to cycle to NCS and probably in the community in summer and the amount of men that used to catcall us when we were cycling I'm pretty sure every single day we got something shouted at us or yeah and it's scary I I felt I it just made me feel scared I was like what if they hop out their car or it's it's people think like what's the problem with catcalling it's the problem that how it makes you feel because it's what if it's not just a cat call? Yeah. Like we, we know the statistics. We know what can happen. So it's like you might think it's harmless, but to us, how are we supposed to know that? What's the difference between someone who's just going to shout and what's the difference between someone who's going to get out and actually yeah, do Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I think, and the fact that they think it's okay to do it. Like, you wouldn't yell out the window at anyone else. Like, why are you yelling out the window anyway? It's, it's like, 
behaving like animals really <laughs> like that's yeah. the only way I seem to be able to describe it but like I just and especially in calling. school uniforms and stuff school uniform we've all been I'm sure most of us have been catcalled in our school uniforms it's which just it's, it's so disgusting. much worse <laughs> yeah because clearly well when you leave school you're like 16 that's right isn't it 16 yeah so you're underage for starters or just of age and then normally it's like the chances of them actually being 16 pretty slim because you're not gonna be able to know their age and that's the thing they're not concerned about how old we are because you're in your school uniform so you could literally be from year seven to I don't know how old you are in year seven like 11 or something 12 all up to 16 that is a massive age range where so many different like changes can actually happen to your body and they're not bothered about whether you're 11 or 16 they're just calling you out the window yeah it's just sexualizing it again and I think we're kind of just echoing everything it's the way women are portrayed in kind of every sense like you think about professions as well like teachers they're sexualized you know kind of like the nurse outfits you see sexualized um schoolgirls sexualized again and obviously the issue with it being schoolgirls is then links to kind of pedophilia and the and the kind of beauty standard where it's like the ideal person that um like stereotypically men want is it describes a young girl like a young underage girl and obviously the way that that's kind of the culture kind of highlights this huge issue and while they might not think and it's not purposeful that is what's happening yeah and you can link that into the media so much easy and the I was just today I was watching Friends which I love but Joey was looking for a new um, roommate and he put out an advert saying um, non-smoker 19 years old non-ugly and when I put on my head about like, oh, I'm just watching Friends, I don't think about it. But if I put on my head about like misogyny and like how sex, they're being sexualized, 19 is a very young age. And I mean, I'm not even 19. And to think of a young, an older man wanting to live with me and think of me in a sexual way is very, very uncomfortable which is why whenever someone does catcall me or whenever I see something in the media about you know uh schoolgirl outfits being sexualized in the music industry or wherever it is it makes me think that oh like that's that's a real thing that's actually happening the weird thing about that is that um in America the legal drinking age is 21 so it it's even weirder because he was looking for a girl that was below the legal drinking age, which in over here, I feel like 18, if you were 19, that wouldn't be as weird, but it, it's just the subtle things like that within all different types of media that just almost hint to that it's okay and hint that there are, actually this is acceptable because we're broadcasting it all over the world that it's okay to do this and that it's funny and it's acceptable yeah. because a character's doing it when really those aren't the kind of messages that should be being sent and it's not just characters doing it because those messages get taken into the real world and they get presented and um just used so much in the real world they're giving out these messages that men take on young boys take on and going back to what hannah and emma were saying about the school uniform You've only got to look at the porn industry and school uniforms is used and sexualized so much in the porn industry when everyone like school uniform is for young people. So they're sexualizing young girls. I know obviously in the porn videos, they're not young, actually below the age, but they're putting them in school uniform, which sexualizes them and then sends out that message again that it's okay to go and catcall young girls in school uniform because they see it through their um, screens all day, every day when they when they look and watch porn. And we've yeah. seen it in, um, I think, Lilia brought the, the, the music video um, from Tattoo and Britney Spears. I mean, when we looked more and more at the school uniform and how it's used and, and, and you know, it, I mean, Britney Spears, how many years ago was that? That, that was good. That was so many years ago. <laughs> I was thinking really about that today. 20 years, maybe? Yeah. I literally watched a video of her today in an interview 
and from probably like around the time you were thinking Gemma and she was asked like are you a virgin because she obviously um has I think one of her music videos she's in a school uniform and I think celebrities who put out this younger exterior get lost in a virgin whore kind of like paradigm where you're you know too old to be a virgin but you're too young to um have sex and so these questions these inappropriate questions get asked and that's again where sexualization comes into it because they're then brought into something which doesn't mean to be sexual and it doesn't need to be sexual um but it becomes that way well Miley. Yeah, I was Miley. Nice. We talked about Miley Cyrus as well. Yeah, she's been putting out on her Instagram like um, different photos of her when she was younger, and I think she's trying to link it to her being sexualized by the media when she was younger. Well, yeah. the time we're talking about with Britney, um, in those interviews, I actually searched up the other day. I think she was about the age of 15, 16 when she was um, in these interviews asking if she was a virgin. Um, so she was so young. There are such like intrinsic issues of like the media and like Hollywood. I mean, look at all of these child actors who now in like their thirties and forties have been like so damaged by like the the culture of Hollywood. And obviously in the media as well, we see like adverts for like chocolate, which are all sensual. It's just like, it's just a bar of chocolate. There's no need to do that. But I think, I know obviously we, we focus so much on women and girls, but Brendan Fraser, who admitted that he had been, you know, um, assaulted or like touched inappropriately by somebody high up in um Hollywood he was blacklisted and the damage that did to him and you know he became a shell of himself and it, to think if that happens to a man in Hollywood how many women are being silenced as well when they want to speak up about an inappropriate director or somebody else in the industry if we um if we just go back to Britney Spears I know there's been quite a lot of um media attention around Britney recently and there's been a documentary about her life um, and around the fact that her dad has, um, I, th I can't think of what the terminology is, but it's legal sort of control over, over her and everything that she does. Um, and I think that ties in quite well with what we're thinking about this sexism and this misogyny. Um, do you guys think that that would happen? Sort of, is that because it's the male female relationship or do we think it's something else? Oh, 100%, because I'm pretty sure it happened with Taylor Swift as well, because I don't think she had full rights to her music either, because she's re-released some of it, but I 100% think it's a uh, male-female, because you don't see any male child stars come out and say, oh, actually, like, I don't have full control over, like, my, like, music, I don't have like legal something I don't know what I'm trying to say but like I don't have the legals over myself that thing but it's often females that come out and say that not males which also just links to misogyny the whole way and how it's not it yeah <laughs> I was gonna say about Britney Spears just quickly last thing um the only reason that her dad got like control of her um, money and all of all oh, my voice <clears throat> and all of what her um, like earnings and everything like that is because she had like a mental illness like and Mark, ages and ages and ages ago she had a little she went into hospital for a while and so her dad took ownership like power of attorney kind of thing and um, then he still has control now but she's completely fine she's out of hospital completely normal and she hasn't been able to do anything about it and he will not give up this custody of her I don't, I don't why are we all struggling for the word I don't know what the word is like <laughs> like none of us know the word but we all know what we mean I yeah. think it's He's like just, I think it's custody of her estate and like everything like I think even at one point her reproductive rights are being controlled as well like yeah like he had control, control like over her and her child like he, she wasn't allowed to see her own child for a while it's mental. Um, I think it's only recently been reviewed because of everybody's backlash about like what's going on with Britney. And I don't think anything changed, but it's like, how long has this review taken? Like, I'm sure it hasn't been reviewed in the couple of years or decades it's been been in force. 
And I think as well about like Kesha and how she spoke out about her story and she got blocked for years from making music because that was the power that her producer had and her label had over her. And it's just, you know, disgusting that men basically are controlling women and their livelihoods. I think it's as soon- well, oh, sorry. And I go. <laughs> we're talking about this as what we've also got to remember is marriage was basically this like marriage was like the man owned his wife and the man didn't own like before that the woman was owned by her dad and it's it's almost like this backwards because when you think about that I'm sure everyone thinks that's a hugely like backwards way of thinking like why is a woman being owned by her father and then by her as a way of it coming out in modern society and this kind of idea as well as like women being controlled by men while you know on paper we're not then owned by our husband but it's these like kind of small things that build up where it kind of then leads to oh so we're we're not really in control of that much in a sense um obviously things have changed but how much have they really changed when you dive into it? I think that's a really good point as well, because it really shows how much, like, some people are like, oh, no, times have changed, like, misogyny isn't as big a deal right now, like, sexism, that kind of thing. But if you look at it in reality, yeah, things have changed, but sexism just develops as we develop, like, it just turns into different things and it can present itself in so many different ways, like how it presents itself in the media at the moment. Yeah, and I think it's, like, about control over women as well. Like, it's almost as if we're swimming against the current whenever we try and take control. And we, like, we were talking last week about um, pornography and, like, the idea of consent and, like, sexualization in pornography. I think when you look at consent, it's it's everywhere. I mean, like, Katie was going to bring up Greece. Um, if you look at some of the lyrics in the Greece... Um, songs they're all about one of them's like um did she put up a fight and stuff like that and him trying to take control of her and it's it's so it must be so exhausting for especially that time when um when women were owned by a father figure and then by a man now so we can kind of we're more educated and we can take control but that is still so prevalent and I think um people like Britney Spears do prove to us that this is still such a huge problem and it does need to be talked about. This also, I feel, links very closely to men always being like the protector, like within society, because even in, as we've grown up, we've always kind of been led in the way that men are protectors and that they're going to protect us like every single Disney movie that we grew up with there was always a man that would save the girl twilight eliza literally literally (laughs) majority of films like it is a theory that there's always a hero and often the hero is a man and that's just the way that stories are written and it literally there are like studies that show it and theorists that have found this and it's these subtle ways that well that's not really so subtle having a male save a woman in pretty much every film ever (laughs) but it's these things that then almost hint to girls like you should be this you should be this because if we're constantly seeing men saving females then we're going to be thinking oh well we need a man to come along and save us and it just kind of gets you into that way of thinking and gets you into that flow of things when really that's not how it should be at all yeah and I think that can be sometimes really glamorized as well especially with um, yeah, a Netflix film called 365. Um, I didn't end up watching it, but I remember a celebrity came out and she was um, unfortunately in a situation where her control was taken from her. She was kidnapped and raped. And she came out saying, this is just glamorizing what happened to me, which is something that will mentally scar me forever. And it's, you know these things can be seen as for enjoyment but they can also if you look at it from a way of taking control of women which is really dangerous it can also take on a different message yeah, I mean, when we I just think... have... oh, 
sorry Gemma so, you go ahead I was just going to add Rosie just that there's in some of these I mean you've mentioned Brave before which I think is a really positive feel for you I love Brave because the, the character in it just kind of says well I might not want to marry any of these guys and I might want to do something different and, I, and she's a great arch she's great at archery and yeah there's something in this about um the the, how all the women are passive if you think about sleeping beauty and they need rescuing you know they're asleep <laughs> it's like yeah. can't get more can't get more passive and I also and I know I've brought this part before but what what happens then for young and I know you know Alice in her um, intro talked about LGB and T what happens then if you're a young woman and you're exploring your sexual identity and your, your gender identity and then you see all of this that is incredibly confusing um because you you just don't see yourself represented or, or any or any relationship you might want to have represented so I think it's harmful on on so many levels um and I just yeah I just wanted to come in there about the you know we've looked at some of the um the Disney the, the recent Disney movies and something like Brave I know that we've talked about sort of celebrating that but just how women are depicted as being mostly asleep <laughs> you know that is a concern sorry Rosie it's all right I was just going to say about like Twilight and how we've highlighted like stalking before and how like romanticized that's been in that TV program on Netflix called like you like don't don't there's nothing there's nothing nice about a man being at the end of your bed and you waking up in the middle of the night and him disappearing I mean I love Twilight but obviously once we had that conversation I was like yeah this film has got a lot wrong with it um yeah she's yeah. a sleeping cat <laughs> Belle is a sleeping yeah. cat or she, or she yeah. mopes around waiting for him to come back there's an <laughs> cyber asleep or sat in a chair or in a tower or I know and then in the last few films people were so surprised when she started like taking control of her own life when she was like Jacob you imprinted on my daughter and people were like hold on Bella's Bella's aggressive now like people were so, and it was like yeah she has feelings by the way like this character isn't just an empty shell she has feelings whilst there's another like film oh no Katie go sure thank you I'm just desperate to talk about Greece like this has been an absolute life changer for me and I know that you all know this like I loved Greece like hands down probably one of my favorite films and then we came to this group and we really spoke about the message behind Greece that actually Sandy changed from being portrayed as this sweet innocent girl that was just a summer love and she had to completely change her whole persona to impress a, a male and then when we spoke about that I was like oh my god why why have I never seen this before and like yeah. you said Meg it's about the songs the message behind it is just point blank not right and I apologize if anyone is listening and loves Greece or if the director of Greece is watching or whatever but I just don't agree now anymore so I will be boycotting Greece yeah I'm I know also, like she's oh. painted over her personality to fit yeah some like a bad girl which is mm -hmm. what the 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 main character wanted which is like so it's so horrible to think of because what message does that put out to young girls who are watching it you have to change yourself to get men to like you if you want a boyfriend or a girlfriend you've got to conform to their standards and to society's beauty standards of what women are like also <laughs> when um Rizzo gets I think it's Rizzo that gets pregnant or thinks she's pregnant the news travels literally within the space of 30 seconds there's a whole like car park of people that know and it suddenly becomes everyone's business that she's pregnant when in reality it shouldn't be any of their business that like she's pregnant but then everyone knows and the way people say it is like the news gets spread it's like oh my god like can't believe she's done that like it's I, think, I agree with you Katie yeah I think as well is when uh, when we mentioned the virgin hall complex earlier as well Sandy is this virgin like perfect innocent kind of you know she's portrayed like in light colors as well kind of thing so it's like this whole idea I was going to mention the colors as well like all white pretty pinks and then black at the end like she's kind of pure and it's like 
I don't, I don't know. And then you look at Rizzo and Rizzo's always wearing black and kind of she's then portrayed as the whore and it's like, oh, you know, the guys don't want Rizzo um, like they want Sandy. And it kind of, with the Virgin Whore complex, it's that you can't maintain kind of sexual arousal in a relationship because then you res you come to respect the woman, um, which is obviously completely mad to me. Um, surely if you respect them, you know, as your relationship goes on, everything's going to progress. But it's almost as you can't be sexually attracted to someone and respect them. And then if you respect someone, you know, like, wait, did I just say that wrong? I don't know. But basically, if you're sexually attracted to someone, you don't respect them. But if you respect them, I'm saying it wrong. I no, can, Emma, I, I, can I get you're where you're coming from. I'm with you. And I basically, don't, like... And yeah. you're all <laughs> your mind will be blown I think it's ridiculous like the whole concept mm. yeah and the the message of consent that is put out in the film like I know I spoke about a lyric earlier on but if you look at in the media there's uh a lack the lack of mention of um rape because we're talking about the media and rape cases and this dismissal the dismiss of rape cases which is yeah um which is in the media because I remember seeing something on Instagram which scarred me for life and it was that this woman her rape case was dismissed because she was wearing red underwear and going back to what you guys were saying about the colours about um Sandy and like her black and red like it's it's crazy that we're putting colours towards a horrible violent crime and the fact that the judge obviously then thought, oh, that's all right, because she was wearing red underwear. That's all right. You get that. When did that become OK? <laughs> but like, I literally see this in like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think the idea of colours as well, specifically like from such a young age, it has such a huge impact, like the whole blue and pink divide kind of thing. I know when I was younger in my little head, I was like the mini feminist. I was like, right, I hate pink from now on. Can't like it because that means I'm a girl and apparently that's a bad thing. So I can't like pink because I can't be treated like a girly girl because that's something negative. And it's so awful because this past few years, I literally love pink. Pink is such a good color, so many variations. It should be appreciated more, but I, I literally made myself not like it because of the negative connotations being a girl had, which is mad. It's like from such a young age, because colours are such a, a a kid thing, they are. So it's, it's just mad. But also yeah. as, well, as well, did any of you study of mice and men in school? Please say no. something. Yeah. Right, so well, do you remember, yeah, so do you remember when you used to study it, Curly's wife, you would always describe as like, she had red fingernails, so she's dangerous. Like she wore a red dress, so she's dangerous. And it's like since then, like you're just it's just implanted in your head that red is a dangerous colour, looking for something. And that's from like English GCSE. So, like Ellie said, the whole concept of colours, it just almost puts you in some sort of perspective for later on in life. That when you see a colour, you're like, like Ellie said, oh yeah, blue, that's for a boy, pink, that's for a girl, red, oh, they must be dangerous or looking for something. Like yeah. I think like impact. red would be I don't know I don't know why I've got this idea in my head but I feel like red's like empowering like positive I just red I can't understand where they've got this logic of like red and asking for it like where where have you got that logic from because there's nothing that has ever given me that idea that if you wear red underwear oh she must be asking for it like yeah. and the fact that her underwear is like literally being held up in court in another case like this female I do this in sociology so like I've got quite a few examples of this but, I saw um, that like where is the um respect yeah like, like there, this, this female attorney it... held up this girl's underwear in court and she's a female attorney like she should know if she was in that position I can guarantee that she should she would not have wanted her underwear being held up in court because what does that do like that just shows off to everyone else that the, the female doesn't have respect like she doesn't deserve the respect or the privacy that anyone else is getting in the case like any any other situation or any other courtroom that wouldn't happen but it's because it's a rape case that it's happening and they just don't want to 
confront the actual problem that it's like yeah. being internalized misogyny it's so degrading to the woman in that case as well in it like imagine being there and having your underwear held up in court because you got raped that's so degrading and it makes that whole case seem so like pointless and like meaningless and that's probably why women don't come forward yeah Yeah. it literally is like less women come forward because they see what is happening in the media and they choose not to because they're like I don't want that to happen to me which is so sad like that shouldn't be the case at all I actually think that's the worst thing out of everything is the fact that women who have horrible things happen feel like they can't speak up because they don't want their underwear held up in court they don't want to say that they've been asking for it because they were wearing red underwear like Oh. And then as soon as they do choose to speak up, like they get challenged or when they challenge like what's happening, they get cancelled or blocked or stuff yeah, like this happens. Yeah. And it's always negative. No one's ever like, oh my God, that's actually happened. I've never noticed that before. That's awful. It's always like, no, this isn't true. This isn't happening. Or there's always negative. And when she, and the amount of courage that should actually come, like that comes from that woman bringing it up that she's probably suffered for years with. And yeah. then she's finally chose to say it. And then everyone's like cancelling her. put down for it, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but doesn't red mean stop? Like that's I'm I'm yeah. I'm learning to drive right now, and whenever I see something red, like it could be anything. I literally am like brakes. So uh, when I read that about that case about the woman with the red underwear, I was like, oh shit, doesn't doesn't red mean stop? Mm. Like surely that's a, one of the first things as an adult. I mean, I'm sure they've driven before doesn't red mean stop it also links into what emma was talking about earlier with the virgin whore it kind of fits what you're talking about for for me it just it fits with the 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 victim the deserving and the undeserving victims so the virgin and i'm doing you can't see this on a podcast but i'm doing what are these called it's not bunny ears it's like quotation quotation quotation, quotation. (laughs) the virgin air quote is um it is going to be deserving um of of our uproar and justice and our disgust but the whore again air quotes can't see it's on a podcast um is not going to be deserving and is probably you know gonna um if it if we know if it ever gets to uh court is potentially going to have her her sexual history um, her underwear that's what it reminds me of displaying someone's underwear as evidence it, it's that it ties into that this this woman is undeserving of justice because look at her lifestyle um and red you keep you're saying red you know red i go to red light district i go to um you know to our associations of red women i think um you know there's some victorian stories certainly around the, the ripper time as well of women wearing red um, so I think it, you know, I'd have to look at that, but I think it's really deep rooted. These narratives are historic. And it reminds me of the Peter Sutcliffe case too. Like the police didn't care until it was a 16 year old schoolgirl, And you could even see in the newspapers, it went from like prostitute dies on like whatever page in the middle to innocent schoolgirl brutally murdered. And it just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And I think that um, in, I remember I was learning in psychology about the different um, ways that articles are written. So in like a magazine or like a broadsheet or whatever it is. And some, I think the majority of the ones that are more, I guess, oh, air quotes, gory or graphic, the um, the like ways that rape is told is like, different so I feel like people I don't know where I'm going with this but I feel like if people are more open and honest about rape and graphic about it people want to listen as well um which I, I don't know how or how I didn't learn about how that why that is but I just thought it was something to say because people will listen more when you're graphic about something but if you if we were talking to like a boy about periods and we were graphic about it they probably wouldn't want to listen it's just such a difference Yeah, I think um, kind of coming back to what Hannah was saying earlier about it being another woman holding up the underwear in the court case. um, It's like we've been talking about 
kind of pressures that we feel kind of from men like that kind of like male dominated society I think as well as we've got to remember that there is quite a lot of internalized misogyny within us and I think um that obviously comes out in these news articles as well that we were talking about earlier it, it is going to be women writing these columns sometimes and it is women tearing each other down um and obviously none of us want to do that you know love women but it's it's not necessarily something that you're conscious about it's this internalized misogyny and it kind of links to like the pick me air quotes again like the pick me kind of personal like I don't want to be like other girls um and that is all down to internalized misogyny and I think something I wish my younger self knew as well was the fact that obviously now you know feminist activists love it all I definitely still have internalized misogyny that I have to check myself for every day. And I think that's what I wish I knew when I was younger as well. So when I was like, oh, like that girl's kind of annoying. Like, no, she's just confident and loud and you want to be like her. Um, so I think- Yes, Emma, couldn't relate more. <laughs> so it is, it's the, you may not think you're misogynistic, but you've got to make sure that you're kind of checking yourself and keeping up to date with things. So yeah, that's definitely something I wish my younger self knew. I, I wish think, I knew that if oh, I was sorry Eliza if I was confident and if I was being air quotes annoying I wasn't I was just being bossy but in the best way possible because I feel like young girls just need to be bossy sometimes like when we were talking about our experiences in the cafe or or like with men telling us to smile it just or like catcalling I wish I knew that it was all right to turn around and be like oi that's that's not okay like please please don't do that please don't do that <laughs> I think if I could go back and say anything to younger me it would definitely be don't think you have to be a certain way act a certain way because that's what the boys like because 100% when I was like year seven a and I was all I could think about really was boys and I was like oh I'm gonna wear my hair like this because this is what he likes like don't because it's literally all the end of the world and if a guy doesn't like you for who you are then he's not worth it and honestly don't let misogyny run your life and don't do it because that's what society likes yeah watch Greece but don't listen to any of the messages in it <laughs> do not listen to Greece whatever you do you don't have to be the Sandys of the world um, I was just going to ask Alice things as you've been through with all your education and qualifications with sexual health and sexual exploitation what do you wish that you had told your younger self now that you have all the knowledge that you do what would you want to tell your younger self Thank you, Meg. Um, so it's really interesting. And I, I don't know if there's a particular age attached to your younger self, because I think the messages that I would give myself would um, change depending on what age that I actually was. Um, I think I was someone who really sort of came into myself in college. Um, so during school, um, I was sort of, I was quite boisterous. I was very loud. And even the word boisterous as well. That was always used to describe me because I, I was loud, I was a bit of a tomboy, but if we sort of look at the etymology of that word and we break it down, um, there is still sort of like the male connotations there. Um, so I think my I think my message to myself when I was in school would have just been that like you are okay as you are, like really sort of echoing what Eliza's just said, that actually you can be whoever you want to be and that's okay. And if people see something in you. Um, like Emma said, it's not it's not necessarily that you're annoying, it's that you don't fit the mould of what a, a girl's meant to be, and that's okay. Um, and then I think going on into sort of my early adulthood, like going back to the pub and the story that I told you to begin with, um, I actually ended up leaving a career in hospitality after a couple of years because I wanted to pursue sort of the sexual health route, but also because I, I was getting sick of people um, talking to me in a certain way. Um, and interacting with me in a certain way and I think now if I look back I feel that I did have the opportunity to have a voice and I think my note to my younger self would would have been to use it 
and also when I was um, when I was working in hospitality, sort of in my in my very early twenties, there were sixteen-year-old girls who just started, um, and I think that if I could have offered them a bit of, a bit more support and sort of mentorship in terms of actually this isn't okay and you can you can challenge this instead of oh well that's just the way things are, I think potentially that could have been a little bit different as well. Um, so that that would be my message. I just really want to echo the same as what Alice and Eliza have said about their notes to the younger selves. You don't have to fit in with anyone. You can be who you want to be. Stop trying to please everyone. Just be who you are. Like it, I know it seems like such a massive deal now to dress a certain way, behave a certain way, have your hair a certain way, do all these things so that I know when I was younger, so boys liked me and so boys thought I was pretty, boys thought I was this, boys thought I was that. But you don't have to. And you can choose to challenge these things and you can choose to challenge this misogyny and the sexism that you experience in everyday life. And um, if you're not there yet, you will get there and you will get the confidence to to start to be able to challenge. But if you can't right now, don't worry and um, just be you. Yeah. My note is very similar to Shannon's pretty much. I just wish that I could go back and tell myself that I do have the confidence for it and I can stick up for myself because that's pretty much all it is I just have to be able to stick up for myself and I have this like fear of causing a drama or causing confrontation or something like that because that's pretty much what will happen as soon as I raise my voice or as soon as I challenge something it will cause a confrontation and that's the last thing that I want to do because I hate drama but I just wish that I could say to my younger self you can stand up for yourself just all you need to do because people shouldn't be saying this stuff to you anyway like there shouldn't be these people going oh come on smile a bit more Hannah or like touching my arm or telling me that I'm being too bossy or or just sit down or be quiet like that shouldn't be happening um in school at work or just catcalling me in the street like that shouldn't happen as long as you can stand up for yourself then that will put you in good stead for when you get older I hope that a young girl or young woman who's listening to this podcast can take away that literally what Alice was saying it's all about growth and like it will happen um and that it's all right to be like that and I think that's what I'm most excited to see the younger generations be like to try and end this misogyny and the sexism and sexualization of young women because I think the more people who stand up to it the more we're going to get the message across I mean that's what this podcast is all about we're trying to aid young women in um, becoming themselves and following not following along to um, society and being their own person so that's what I hope a young woman who's listening to this will take away yeah I think I kind of want to like make a note about media to my younger self like think about what what I'm consuming what is it telling me because the other day I sent something to Gemma that was comparing the like notes in Twilight how Bella's portrays this helpless sort of woman who needs Edward's help and she's going to kill herself but in Buffy the Vampire Slayer which is a very dated tv program now but it is amazing and how Buffy says no guy is worth your life not ever and I think it's important because everything has messages but we need to obviously realize some of these messages are wrong like women aren't always docile you know they don't need rescuing we've got it we can handle it and yeah just you know own it and own yourself I wish younger self me knew about Project Catalyst a lot, lot earlier than what I do. So for anyone listening, please, please just go and look at Project Catalyst and the Parks website because trust me, if there's any 100% recommend it, 100%. Yeah, thanks, Katie. I, I just wanted to add in at the end, I was thinking about Project Catalyst and I was thinking about something Alice said about the younger women that were in hospitality um you know my younger south was um a little bit I like to drama actually Hannah this might not surprise you to learn about me I liked a good old drama good old kickoff um but what I didn't do was support anyone else to do that I didn't offer and be an ally to anyone else I was a bit of an individual out on my own um and I um yeah I wish my yeah my note here I know I don't often come in with these but my note would be to um to support other girls and to um to ally myself a bit more rather than thinking I just need to 
be on my own and, and do things for myself. So, um, and that kind of leads into project, yeah, what you're saying about Project Catalyst, that's what this is all about. This is about having a space to discuss all of this stuff with no judgment, like genuinely no judgment. Everybody has a space, everybody has a say, everybody's difference is celebrated. Um, so, yes um that that is uh what 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 project catalyst is is all about and i i guess in in ending now i just want to say a, a big thank you to alice uh from parks who's come along and and shared this this